Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, everyone. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number one, two, three of the podcast. It's the 6th of May, 2018, as I record this intro. And this week on the podcast, I'm trying something a little different. It's a roundtable discussion focused on a single topic. Questions around food are very common as people are de-schooling and contemplating releasing control over their children's food choices, so I thought that would be a great place to start. I invited Sylvia Woodman, Joe Isaac, and Meredith Novak to join me and was thrilled when we managed to find a workable time for all of us to meet up. I hope you find our conversation helpful. And there's another twist. I took the opportunity to record the video of our call. So on my YouTube channel, the video for this episode has the four of us chatting away instead of the usual slides accompanying the audio. It was a test of the tech and it went pretty smoothly. So for the next while, I'm going to record video of my calls as well, and we'll see how it goes. If you want to check it out, my channel is at youtube.com forward slash living joyfully with unschooling. As a community update, I want to thank everyone who has chosen to support my work on Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons and their generous support. It's vital to helping me share unschooling information and inspiration with everyone who wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to support my unschooling work, like this podcast and my website, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash exploring unschooling. And I want to take a moment to profusely thank my transcription team. I don't do that often enough. I'm so grateful to Amber, Maggie, Alice, Yolanda, and Anita for all their hard work and their patience as interviews get rescheduled and moved around ad nauseum. They are an integral part of the podcast production process, helping me share in written format all the wonderful unschooling stories and insights that our amazing guests share. And lastly, don't forget, if you have an unschooling aha moment you'd like to share with our community of listeners, uh, just go to the main podcast page at my website, livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast, and scroll down a bit until you see the microphone. Just plug in your mic and click the start recording button. I would love to hear your stories. And now let's get to my conversation with Sylvia, Joe, and Meredith. Hi everyone, I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca and today we're trying something a little different as you can see. It's kind of a round table focused on a single topic and I'm joined by Sylvia Woodman, say hi, <laughs> Joe Isaac, hi. and Meredith Novak. Hi everyone. So this week, we are going to dive into unschooling and food. It's a pretty frequent question on the listener Q&A episodes and around in the unschooling groups. So I thought it would be great to dedicate a whole episode to talking about it. So 
just to get us started, um, you guys have all been on the podcast before, and I will link to those episodes in the show notes, but can you give everyone a quick intro to you and your family? And why don't you get us started, Joe? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, my <laughs> name is Joe, and I'm married to Brett, um, and we have one child, uh, Kai, who is 12 tomorrow, um, and he is always on school. <laughs> Sylvia. Um, I'm Sylvia Woodman. Uh, uh, my two children are Gabriella, who is 13, and Harry, who's 11, and uh, they've never been to school, and I'm married to Jim. And I don't know what else to say. <laughs> that covers it. And I'm Meredith. Oh, yep. I'm Meredith still. Um, and uh, my kids are, are Ray and Morgan and they're, and Ray is 24 and Morgan 16. Um, and uh, Ray, Ray got the full process packaged homeschool, school unschooling. Um, but Morgan got to be unschooled from the start. So I've, I've had both ways. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So let's dive right into our topic. I would love to hear a little bit about your journeys around food and control. So maybe an idea around uh, what life with food looked like um, when you first began unschooling and kind of where you have gotten to now. And I should have brought something to like roll the dice, the three-sided <laughs> dice. <laughs> Sylvia. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, let's see. Well, I'm very much, I feel like uh, my personal relationship with food is still evolving, you know, and I'm still thinking about it in new ways all the time. I feel like this is a, a, a big area for my own de-schooling process. Um, when uh, when uh, Gabriella was born, I was going to La Leche League and was very heavily involved there and was very sort of inspired and influenced by uh, what La Leche League was talking about with food, which was, you know, there was a big uh, emphasis on, you know, breastfeeding for as long as was, you know, agreeable to both the mom and the baby. And uh, so we were, you know, we were nursing for a long time. And also then they have some philosophies about, you know, parenting and also, but also about nutrition. And one of their um, sort of, uh, philosophies about food was to eat um, a balanced diet with a variety of foods in as close to the natural, close to its natural form as possible. So that was definitely where I was coming from when the kids were small. We uh, were part of uh, an organic uh, community supported agriculture farm share thing. There was a lot of spending the afternoon at the farm picking strawberries and, you know, and, and we've always liked to cook. So um, both Jim and I do a lot of cooking. We make a lot of things from scratch. Uh, but I've also been someone who has always sort of struggled with my weight. And I know, and my parents had a lot of issues around food and so I had a lot of issues around food and I was trying really hard not to pass that along to my kids. And that was, you know, so happily like unschooling ideas sort of came in just to sort of um, intersect with these like the Lecce League ideas. And so I don't want to say that the Lecce League ideas were bad or wrong or I threw them out completely, but it was more like the unschooling ideas kind of got added on, you know, like, sure. 
you know, organic strawberries are great, but you know what else is great? M&Ms, you know, and, um, you know, and, and it started with what really, I mean, cause Gabriella as a baby tended to eat very much like she was born to be a yoga instructor. You know what I mean? Like she really doesn't have much of a sweet tooth and never really did. She was more, she liked tart things. She liked sour things. She liked spicy things. But Harry, on the other hand, had a very, very limited palate. And really only now, like as he's hitting adolescence, is are things really opening up and really branching out for him. Um, but so for, a, I remember going to uh, my first unschooling conference in 2009, and I think all weekend all he ate was Hershey bars. He was still nursing at the time, but the only solid food that passed his lips was Hershey bars. And so this was, I felt kind of embarrassed about this. I didn't want anybody to see because, you know, I was with all of these other people and I wanted, was desperately wanted to be doing it right. And the, but the problem was things I didn't, I was still learning about my son is that he was and still is fairly introverted and big crowds and lots of people and being away from home stressed him out. And when he stressed out, he shut down and he went with what he knew and what was, you know, and like, you know, chocolate, it's smooth, it's sweet, it's creamy, it fills you up. You know what I mean? So like, that's what, so he went with that and he wasn't even things that I knew he liked. He wasn't touching it because the rest of the weekend for him was stressful, you know, but I didn't, I was still learning. I didn't know that, oh, these are the kinds of environments we should avoid for her. Or if we're going to take him there, we got to plan escape routes for him. You know, we got to plan an errand to take him off site and feed him, you know. Um, but those were, those were things that I learned as we went forward. So is that? Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Okay, can I jump in? Yeah. Next. Okay, because some of this is all so familiar with Morgan. Um, and I, okay, I'm going to back up a little bit because I started out as like the stereotypical picky eater, you know, and my childhood was, you know, staring at the plate, trying to choke down three more bites. Um, yeah. <laughs> so if, if nothing else, you know, I went into parenting with a decision that I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to fight about food. If nothing else, I was not going to fight about food. And, um, and Ray was, was the, you know, the perfect eater. I mean, he, he had this huge metabolism. He would eat anything. He would complain about it, but he'd eat it. And, you know, so we thought we were doing good. And then Morgan came along and took, you know, conservative eating to master class level. And, and I, I don't even know where to start. I mean, it, Morgan's the kind of kid where other people say, oh, my kid doesn't eat. And then they list like seven or eight things that their kid eats. And I'm like, okay, wait, stop. Some of those things have ingredients. <laughs> Not all of those things are white or come in a Fruit Loops box. <laughs> Don't tell me what your kid doesn't eat. And, and like Sylvia said, with the, with like stress and she also had a tiny, tiny appetite and, and any kind of stress, it would just go away entirely. And, you know, so if we were visiting, if there were people, you know, my, my kid could subsist on milk for days. There was one summer she subsisted on milk, which was the ultimate masterclass in how not to panic with a picky eater. Um, but yeah, I, I remember the first unschooling conference we went to, you know, and we go to the, like the big eating place and my kid is like curled up in a ball in her seat and can't function, you know. But, but at the same time, I'm noticing I'm, for the first time in my life, I'm in this room 
and I'm surrounded by families and nobody's saying you have to take three more bites. And it was like, yeah. So yeah, that, that a lot of my journey with, with unschooling and, and food was, was first of all, dealing with it with a kid who, who really just didn't eat. And, and still at 16, 16, we still sneak off and do a little happy dance when she tries a new food. All right. This month, oatmeal. No idea. She got the idea. The internet is a wonderful thing. She comes up and says, I want oatmeal. And we're like, have you made her oatmeal? I've never made her oatmeal. How do we make her oatmeal? <laughs> she ate it. She ate the whole thing. We haven't heard about it since, but you know, new food this month. Yay, oatmeal. Um, and she's 16 and we're still doing that happy dance. Um, but she's, you know, trying new things. It's it's just a, a different lifestyle than a lot of people have. But we're not fighting about food. We're, we're able to do the happy dance instead of like, you know, day after day be like, okay, come on, kid, just eat it. You know, which, uh, which was- They all like child do. I know that, that feels like that would create so many relationship issues. Like she knows herself that she can walk up now and say, I want to try oatmeal, right? Because yeah. that's one thing I love is because you can see they're in a place where they get to make those choices for themselves. They don't feel like, oh, mom's been wishing that I tried oatmeal for the last seven years and I'm finally going to capitulate to her, right? It's, it's some, something she these tapes to be like, really? You, you, you were surprised by that? <laughs> No, she doesn't know we're talking about this. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, she she can just you know decide to try something, and it's not a big deal because we haven't made it a big deal quietly in the background. It's a big deal, but we haven't made it a big deal. We've let her, and I know health is is further down the road, but you know, especially when you have a kid who eats so few things, people are like, oh, what about their health? This kid is so healthy; it's unreasonable. I mean, you know, she she's tons of energy, very, very busy. When she was, when she was little, my neighbors once commented that she had six pack abs. She was out jumping on her trampoline. It was probably like hour four on the trampoline. You're like, oh my God, your kid has so much energy. And she's got six pack abs. How does that happen? I'm like, I don't know. She lives on air and sunshine and half a gallon of milk. That's it. <laughs> That's so wonderful that, you know, just learning about themselves and knowing what they need. And we just, can't prescribe that you know you would never come up with that plan right <laughs> i want her to be healthy and energetic so i'm gonna feed her just milk for this milk and cookies but not animal cookies because she doesn't eat animals <laughs> okay joe how about you uh yeah well, I, I guess I was going to talk about what it first looked like when I had Kai, but everybody's talked about their um, food background and I was pretty much uh, like Meredith's daughter. Um, I didn't really eat very much as a child and my mom just remembers running around after me trying to feed me chocolate because I didn't want to eat anything else. <laughs> so, and I was super, super skinny um, and I didn't really eat much. I ate chocolate for breakfast until I was about 22 so every day I had chocolate for breakfast um usually a Mars bar so um with that in mind my mom really didn't ever control my eating at all and I never was in a house where I had one more bite or anything like that um 
she always fed me whatever I wanted. So I don't know why I decided when I had Kai, I was going to be that mom. He was going to have no sugar and <laughs> he was going to eat healthily. And I was like completely the other way. I go, my mom is a terrible person. And, is, is it because we all I, have to like, like do the opposite of how we were raised? I think so. <laughs> yes. And for the first year, Kai was really on board with that. He ate everything and, you know, he was scooping his avocado out when he was a little baby and um and then that all changed when he got a little bit older and um yeah then he narrowed down as kids do and and ate what we uh i know meredith said uh white foods yeah what we called the beige diet for about (laughs) five years (laughs) um bread and pasta and noodles um and cereal um but yeah we we found on schooling when kai was around three um so I started to rethink food around then. And I, I think maybe when I did start to rethink it because of the way my mom had been and the way I had been, it actually it came easier then. So um, so it wasn't too hard when I finally start, started to think, well, what am I doing here? Why am I? <laughs> What's wrong with the cookie? And I remember the first time we took him to McDonald's and I was kind of like holding my breath like, oh, is he in a McDonald's? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what, really, what's going to happen? You know, he ate a McDonald's and then we moved on. And then that was it. Uh, yeah, so um, what it looks like now is everybody eats the food that they like. Um, Kai used to almost always have a different dinner to Brett and I. He didn't really like, but he suddenly, I don't know, and Sylvia just said that, that Harry's just sort of started to explore foods as well. And I know both of our kids really love um bubble tea and yeah yeah um try and get them together at some point you know like yeah (laughs) now we can do this right (laughs) um and it's been super fun he's really exploring food and for years he really didn't not want to eat out so we would if if we wanted to eat out we would take him somewhere else Um, but now he's the one that wants to eat out all the time and financially that's become a bit of a problem He's like, let's go to the Indian restaurant. Or let's go to the Thai restaurant. And I'm like, oh wow, you know, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, it, it's been a, a different. Yeah, I kind of went backwards. And I guess what Sylvia said, I wanted to do the opposite to my mom. And I had a lot of conventional uh, influences around me when Kai was little. Like there was no one who attachment parented when I had Kai, and um, they were all telling me, you'll need to control this and you'll need to do that. And, um, yeah, so I'm really glad we found on schooling that he doesn't remember that time where I didn't make him a birthday cake on his first birthday. I'm glad he doesn't remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but so that's where we're at now. Um, experiments and, and, and eating out as much as we can afford. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I know for us, one of the biggest things, like, yeah, I had the conventional messages, you know, did that, that regular thing. It wasn't super controlling so basically when we moved when I found unschooling and we moved that way it was just saying yes more you know those those occasional no's and gee I don't think you should have that you know those just just kind of faded away and I think the biggest thing for us because like as you're talking about um they they have things that they like to eat the way I ended up making dinner with three kids is I would just make a few things, you know, we would have 
have, you know, a veggie, a meat, a couple of veggies, you know, whatever, a starch, whatever was being made. And, and I would make sure out of those, there was always something that each of them liked. You know, if they didn't like that particular veggie, I knew they liked the potatoes that I was making or, or the meat or whatever. And I always, to this day, I still do it. Um, I just, I put out our food on the counter, like, and then they just dish up the bits that, that they want. It wasn't, you know, everybody has to have something of each or, or, you know, we have to fill up your plate and then you take it. It was always, you know, okay, everything's ready. Come dish up what you want. And then, and then we eat. So that, you know, as you were talking about um, the pickiness, like, Joseph had this amazing ability to, he could tell what was in things from the smell. Like he could tell if I changed a brand of an ingredient. Wow. <laughs> like I'll never forget the day I made meatloaf and he came in and he's like, there's something different. And it was a different brand of ketchup. <laughs> oh, he's, he's like a super taster. Like, yeah, 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 you know, so... So it's just, you know, honestly putting just just putting four or five things out so and knowing that there was one or two things that everybody was going to probably have. And, you know, so that meant that got away from, you know, I made this for dinner, eat this or or you you go hungry or you have to make something for yourself. Right. There was usually something to pick from. And then the odd time if we had to find something else that was fine, too. Okay, I just thought I'd share. <laughs> um, and oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, one of the things that 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 has sort of evolved in what we're doing is right now, my kids are not on the same schedule as me. Like mm. they're both like things that when they were younger and they stayed up late, I stayed up with them. But now they don't need me as much late at night. So a lot of times they're up in the middle of the night when I'm asleep. So my focus right now is making sure that there's things that are prepared that they can fix for themselves with minimal stove cooking. I mean, eventually they'll get to the point where they'll want to do stove cooking, but right now, um, you know, mm -hmm. I would just assume them not have to one when both Jim and I are sleeping. So, um, so like, I try to make sure that we always have things that they can, they can make themselves sandwiches. We always have cereal. Lately, Gabriella has been on this vegetable soup craze where I've been making the soup. And like, as it finishes, she's letting me know so I can make another pot. And she's eating it like, you know, a cup at a time, a bowl at a time, you know. But that, these are so that there's things available. So even if I do cook something fancy for dinner, if they're not feeling it, they don't feel obligated to eat it. And I don't, my feelings aren't hurt if they don't, want to eat it you know if that was a big thing I had to get over too you know I cooked this you know and I worked at it and what do you mean you'd rather have Cheerios and you know and I had to get over that I had to I had to let that go because like if I don't want you know because because I'm cooking I can always choose what we're making you know yeah. I can always choose to make the food yeah. that I like you know and and so that was that was a big that was a big shift for me to understand that like oh why shouldn't they be able to eat what they want? Just like I want to be able to eat what I want, you know? So, so my job is to make sure that that's, that there's stuff that they like there available. 
that yeah. was something we, we ended up doing a lot of when we were when when Ray was de-schooling because you know until then you know, we we really could say look just eat it and he would because he had this huge metabolism it was you know you could fill up a plate and hand it to him and he'd go and get two more because yeah. he just could yeah. and you know he was always hungry but then when we were de-schooling we found out that that we'd created all this baggage in the relationship by by you know directing his food that much and when we when we started like dividing things up and and even like making things and setting them aside so he could microwave later even getting a microwave because we lived the you know backwoods city life we didn't do microwaves <laughs> <laughs> but but you know we had this like, teenager who wanted to be up all night and take care of himself and you know make you know food that comes in bags and you pour water in it and stick it in the microwave. He loved it. He thought it was the best thing ever. And, and it turned out to be like this great de-schooling thing for all of us. Because we could say, look, we got you the instant microwave food in the bag and a microwave to cook it in. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and now like that, you know, Morgan's eating food that actually has to be cooked first. You know, she's loving the microwave too, because she can, she can do the same thing. She can go and, you know, make nachos is one of the foods this year. She can make herself a plate of nachos and, you know, and, and it's great. It's like she has this power that, you know, lets her, you know, live her life and be who she is you know? without needing. Without right, needing. right. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, you know, she can still come and say, I need to make me oatmeal. But, you know, she can also, you know, go through the stuff and go, oh, look, I can make something. I can, you know, she can have this, claim this independence for herself rather than having it either like shoved at her or, you know, held back and going, no, I made it. You're going to eat it. <laughs> and that's also like I know that like Harry and Gabrielle just some extent are in this sort of stage where they want to do it themselves, but they also kind of like it when I do it for them yeah. too. And, and I get that. I get that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, yeah. That. yeah well, I mean, we've had those kinds of conversations, right? It's like, <clears throat> and we talk about you know sometimes it just tastes better when somebody else makes it, or sometimes it tastes better when you make it. You know, it's those conversations are so fun. And sometimes, you know, some mornings Mike will be like, can you, and I'll ask him if you want something. He'd, I would just love if you could make some French toast, you know, but then other mornings he'll get up and he'll make himself his breakfast. And, and, you know, we'll, between the kids, we'll like share recipes. Sometimes we'll get, get into that. Oh, they'll want to try something. And I'll say, just, you know, write it on. We keep our uh, paper on the fridge for the grocery list, right? If you come across something you want to make, just make sure you write down any ingredients we don't have and I will grab them next time we're out shopping. You know, stuff like that. And 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 Lissy, I mean, she she was just turned 18 when she moved out and she had been um, cooking and baking and stuff at home some, but it's so fun now, you know, just to get the text, hey, your cinnamon bun recipe, <laughs> you know, where is it? Can you send that to me? You know, it doesn't stop. It's just food is just something fun that we connect over sometimes. And sometimes somebody's making it and sometimes somebody else is. And, and it's, it's been really fun to see how that has evolved over the years with them. Okay. So anybody have anything else to add before we move oh, on? That gets into the whole thing about good food, junk food, and why it's not so great to to separate. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's the next question. Way to go, <laughs> Basically, yeah, I just I want to talk about food fears. Um, 
yeah, I wrote here, the one that comes up most often, I think, is the question of food and health. <laughs> so, you know, for example, sugar, and when we junk food, good for you, bad for you, when we first contemplate releasing that control over their choices so often, um, we envision, I mean, I know I did at the very beginning, and we see that in a lot of questions, right? That, well, if I don't control what they eat, they're just going to eat sugary foods, right? They're just going to have chocolate for breakfast every day. <laughs> <laughs> <Because it's healthy. laughs> the, the, the challenge, especially for people de-schooling, I think, is because those um, choices have been so tightly controlled for the child, they, they will often be drawn to those, right? And it can look like a self-fulfilling prophecy that all our fears are coming true. So I just thought I, want, I wanted to see what you guys thought about um, what you would share with someone who's smack in the middle of that de-schooling phase and is starting to get a little worried. So why don't you start, Joe? Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, well, the fact that I wasn't limited and I ate chocolate for breakfast is probably not the best uh, thing to start with. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that people naturally are either drawn to, like Sylvia said that Gabriella, she likes savoury foods mm -hmm. more. Um, and then some people are drawn to sweet foods more. Um, and, you know, sweet foods are good. And I, I think that the, the thing when people are de-schooling and, and they hear this, they'll learn to self-regulate, like this magical thing, and you know, self-regulation. And, and then what, they, what their child is going to eat is going to look exactly what the mom wanted it to look like, but the child will come to that realisation on their own. <laughs> and that just is not going to happen. And, well, maybe in rare cases there might be, a, you know, a few kids out there, but... Um, in Kai's memory, as I said, he's never been limited in foods, but he still eats a fair bit of sugar. I mean, um, you know, we, he has ice cream every night and um, he has a chocolate bar a day, which is quite funny because my husband was strictly regulated in terms of chocolate as a child and Ali Yogadal. Um, so Kai has to hide his chocolate away from Brett so Brett doesn't eat all his chocolate. <laughs> Brett's got like a, Kai's got like a little stash and he takes one a day. It's kind of like he's come up with his own sort of tea break. He usually has his chocolate bar around 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're hidden away from Brett or else we get peanut chocolate bars because Brett's allergic to peanuts. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that works pretty well. Um, but, yeah, um, I think, yeah, the one thing I'd say to people who are de-schooling and they think all they're going to eat is chocolate is um, to just think, what would that look like? I mean, even me, I had chocolate for breakfast. I didn't just eat chocolate all day long, though. Um, and what if a child did eat chocolate, nothing but chocolate for two weeks? What would happen? You know, it, nothing really would happen. A child would eat chocolate for two weeks and then really get fed up of it, I imagine. <laughs> or feel maybe a bit sick. Um, but... And, and, and look at the food they're eating over a longer period. So, you know, you get people who are really freaking out and they go, we started de-schooling two days ago and all they've eaten is fruit loops. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're like, which two days is it perfect yet? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they haven't self-regulated. Um, so look at it over a longer period of time, <laughs> a long period of time and, and, and shut out, get rid of the idea of self-regulation at all because I think it's it's where people really trip up on it. And it's not just food, it's lots of things. Um, they're expecting self-regulation to look like 
the kid's going to get up and eat, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something really super healthy that all moms would agree on, but all moms are never going to agree on what's super healthy anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. No matter what you, or what you feed your child, someone somewhere on the internet is going to tell you that it's poison. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like I remember when the paleo diet came out and everybody was talking about how terrible beans were, and I'm thinking, you know, and rice, and, and I'm like, rice and beans are poison? You know? You know, I like so so I figure it's only a matter of time before someone's gonna have a diet with that talks about how the evils of kale, you know. I Oh yeah, yeah. But, oh, I, and, I, but it gets to the point where like there is no there is no diet that is optimal for every person and the optimal diet for you during every different stage of your life is gonna be different. Like an optimal diet for someone who's pregnant or someone who's in menopause or someone who's eight years old, there it's not gonna be the same. It's not going to be the same. And I'm, I'm starting to see this in my own life, the things that I love, love, love when I was a kid. And now I'm like, hmm, you know, I, I don't love that anymore. I want to eat different things now. So I think that, that, I, that I, is... I, eat, I eat vegetables for breakfast now, not chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say, I think that is such a great point there in, you know, against what you were talking about, Joe, with self-regulation, right? Because self-regulation gives the impression that the child is going to, like, externally control what they're doing, right? But no, it's about listening to the messages from your body and following those. And like you were saying, Sylvia, those can change over time. They can change, you know, monthly, weekly, seasonally, you know, and if, if you're looking for self-regulation and you're looking for your child to take external control, you're, you're looking for their eating patterns to look the same all the time, which is not different. You know, when they may get a message, they may be feeling like they need more protein for a while or they need more, um, you know, vegetables, whatever, like maybe it's minerals or something that, that they're lacking. And they may not even know why particularly they're drawn to certain foods. But once you relax that control and you start to watch for those patterns, like you were saying, over the longer term, right? You look over weeks, over months, and you start to recognize those patterns and they start to hear those messages. And that's just so cool. <laughs> Meredith, what about yeah, you? I think even, yeah. even over years, you know, like what? as they grow and they go through big growth spurts, yeah. I've noticed that Kai, just before he grows, he's really, uh, he really wants carbs and then he really wants proteins. And then last yesterday he said, I want spaghetti and meatballs. So I'm just going, what? Will I end up? I've never made spaghetti and meatballs. It's just not anything I make in our house. I went, okay. <laughs> and then we, Kai eats kangaroo meat. Sorry, everybody, you think that's terrible, but um, we eat kangaroo <laughs> <laughs> so I the kangaroo meats I bought kangaroo so I made kangaroo meatballs um and we had a very funny I made the spaghetti and Kai was standing next to me in the kitchen last night and just we were talking about having fun with food and I said hey I want to show you how you know your spaghetti's done and so we threw it at the wall and I said if it sticks to <laughs> and I said this is really important if you're ever a backpacker or a student <laughs> and he's just looking at me going mom do people really do that I'm like yeah <laughs> so yeah I think I think maybe we're in a protein phase at the moment so. <laughs> you have anything to add Meredith um I I 
something I, I've been thinking a lot lately is I think um, one of the things that's that's happening as as we end up having more global families, having like more varied like roots to our families, is that is that we can predict what our kids are going to eat even less. I mean, I, I think there there probably has been a time when you know kids could kind of be expected to mostly grow up eating the things their parents eat and liking the things their parents eat, you know, because everyone around ate the same way and thing. You know, your your local genetic group had had evolved to deal with certain kinds of foods, and we can't count on that anymore you know even even those of us who are mostly european are, are often from like you know all the corners of europe and you know and some of us are from much farther flung roots than that so you know we we don't have you know I, i'm just looking at the like the various food sensitivities in in my own family like my partner is sensitive to certain kinds of legumes and I'm sensitive to certain kinds of fruits and Morgan is Morgan and Ray is sensitive to certain like eggs and, and also like certain kinds of, he's one of these people who's, who tends to get like um, candida kinds of things. And that ends up being a genetic thing through his bio biological mother's side of the family. You know, so if, if we tried to feed Ray the way Morgan eats, he'd be like breaking out in horrible oozing rashes all the time. And that would be bad. <laughs> so, you know, if we tried to feed Morgan the way Ray eats, she just wouldn't eat. Um, you know, because now he's, now that, you know, he's done the de-schooling thing, he's, he's, you know, he does rice and beans. He's like a hippie. He likes it. It works for him, you know, and it works, and it works with his body. And uh, yeah. And, and so, that's it's something to because I know some people say like oh but it's isn't it more natural if we oh whoa, 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 wait 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 do you even know what's in your I don't know what's in my genetics I have no clue and you know and we don't know how that plays out through the history of food and the history of epigenetics mm -hmm. and all of that other stuff I mean you know we're we're all stuck sort of fumbling along trying to figure out what works for us and and I think a lot of adults go through this process where something didn't quite work right in, in their home with the way their, their parents were eating or their control issues because that always gets tangled up in food. And, you know, so, so you get to young adulthood and you experiment with food and you find something that works great. And then you want to share it with your kids, but <laughs> your kids aren't you. And that, it's just the thing. They're Bad. still not you. <laughs> yeah. One of, one of the things that I like, and this is where I like, I like to defer to Joe all the time because she's, she's a scientist, you know, but like, I think, <laughs> I think our bodies don't care about the food. You know what I mean? Like, like and the body is like relentlessly trying to break everything down to sugar pretty much. And they don't care whether it came from a home baked, lovingly kneaded loaf of whole wheat bread, you know, or a Twinkie. Like the, the body does not care. It's just going to relentlessly digest it until it becomes the glucose that's, you know, fueling our brain. Right. And like, and, and like I, there was a weird little exchange on one of the Facebook pages today where we were discussing about whether local honey, was different than any other kind of sugar and I was like I, I just I just don't think it it the, I just don't think it matters I don't you know like I guess there's good reasons to support local farmers and to eat seasonally and whatever but as far as like your blood sugar is concerned I think sugar is sugar is sugar is sugar you know I, I, I don't think it matters how processed it is 
is, I mean, does that sound right? I mean, I, that's what I think. But I, <laughs> yeah, well, and especially for kids, <laughs> because kids use so much more glucose in their brain than adults that, you know, they, they, they just like eat it up, eat it up. That's not fun, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I, I think I think the simpler the sugar for kids to use up in their brain is 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 better right. because it's they're, they're quickly converted less hard to digest it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And definitely, there there are things that that Ray could eat when he was a kid, and you know, high energy, high metabolism. Oh yeah, all the time. But then you know, as we were talking about, now that he's you know in his mid twenties. He, he does need, you know, I don't know, he does, like, he does better with brown rice than white rice. He's done the whole, like, elimination diet and, and check things out because, you know, if, if he gets, if he gets foods that are too refined, it does show up in this, like, weird skin condition. Mm. And so, you know, so, so those theories aren't, aren't nothing, but they don't apply in the same way to everybody, you know. No, no, no. You know, no like, and they definitely, definitely through age, definitely through ages they change. Yeah. Yes. There's no yes. way I could eat as much chocolate as I did when I was like 12. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> It'll be good though. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be good for an hour. <laughs> yeah. Actually, one thing I did want to talk about just yeah. quickly about food fears because it pops up sometimes and we do have experience in our house is allergies because people use that as a, you know, as a, as a thing to know. But we have good reason to be scared of food because we have allergies. And we have allergies. Uh, my husband, as I said, is allergic to um, peanuts. Um, Kai became allergic to shellfish at the age of six, just like this. Um, so, but we still have not found that that's a reason to be scared of, or, uh, of food. Um, we don't see it. They don't see it as, as a limit because they don't want to eat food that's going to make them sick. You know, if I've got an EpiPen. Um, he really doesn't want to have to use that. Yeah. Uh, so, but we, we don't, you know, I know people with allergies that go, oh, we could never go to a Thai restaurant. Well, we went to a Thai restaurant with shellfish allergy and, 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 and peanut allergies. So, <laughs> you know, and we all had a really good time and everybody got something they could eat. Um, so I just, I mean, obviously they're not super anaphylactic. I know there are people that can't even sniff a peanut without having a reaction and we're not, we're not that bad, but just for general allergies, I just don't think that it's, you know, you don't have to fear the food or, you know, and restaurants these days are more than well aware of cross-contamination and they don't want you to be have a reaction in their restaurant. That's, that's, that's bad, bad, uh, bad, bad stuff for them. So, um, yeah, I, I think we just haven't found it. You know, there's times where Kai says, Mom, you're so lucky you're not allergic to anything. And I go, yeah, that's true. Uh, but again, there's genetics. It's genetic on Brett's side of the family. Um, but yeah, we, we haven't found that it's really limited us in any way, having allergies. We just work around it. It's pretty yeah. easy. Yeah, I mean, along that lines too, you know, Michael's got type 1 diabetes. That was not a reason to need to control his food. I mean, yeah. that's something that I, I would see in a lot of the groups and stuff where all of a sudden the parents feel like they need to hyper control their child's food, right? Um, but it, it doesn't need to be. He can still listen to his body. He was, it was just amazing how he can, he can feel his highs and lows in his body, he knows what the clues are from the messages from his body, not just from literally taking his blood sugar as well, right? And 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 being able to, you know, eat still eat what he wants. Because, you know, 
they can, you, you still just, you live your life. Right. And, and so being able to know what he eats and to be able to take the insulin that he needs for it and to know how, feel how his body reacts to it. That was all great learning for him in how to manage his body versus if we came from the outside with lots of controls, he would not have had um, any of that experience while we were here, while we were here to chat about it, to play around with it, to bounce ideas back and forth, et cetera, before, you know, he was controlling it on his own eventually. <laughs> I mean, and it's still just, just a conversation that we have whenever. Did you have something you wanted to add, Meredith? Yeah, this is so much the like the the way unschooling handles all kinds of limits. You know, it's it's rather than seeing them as like dead ends and having like basically having limits make your decisions for you. It's like, whoa, wait, hey, let's problem solve this. What can we do with this? You yeah. know, is there is there a way around this? Is there a way to substitute for it? What are the options? You know, and um, and you know, and it works with food just like with anything else. You know, it doesn't have to be like, oh, we have this. No, it's, you know, instead of, it's, okay, we've been watching a lot of Spongebob here, so I'm thinking, use your imagination. <laughs> you know, and, you know, limits are this portal to the world. We can problem solve, but they're like the playground equipment of life. We can climb over them or through them <laughs> or decide not to climb today. <laughs> I know, you know, when you get down to it, it's, it's the same with any question, right? Whether it's, it's food or... or any issue um, that 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 you feel the pull to control, it comes. It you know it comes back to no matter what it is, it comes back to you know giving them the space to learn about it and and yeah. the imagination and the creativity and all the different things you can do instead of control it that open up your yeah. world so much more than than close it down right. <laughs> I think also, I think there's also an aspect of this is, and I'm sort of just, I didn't plan to say this. I'm just thinking about this as I'm, as I'm talking, uh, which could be dangerous, but, uh, <laughs> but that, like sometimes like we live in a time of incredible food abundance, you know, like it's like in a hundred years ago, it wasn't possible to get asparagus, you know, in February, you know, like it wasn't possible to get fruits all year round. Like, it, like what you had, like in the wintertime was really limited, you know, or in the summertime, if you were in the Southern Hemisphere. But, you know, <laughs> but, um, but you know what I mean? Like, so like, like now really you can, everything is available all the time. And so I think sometimes people seek out consciously or unconsciously ways to sort of limit things just because the overall choice is so overwhelming. Like, you know, to walk into some of these big grocery stores or warehouse stores and you just, there's just food up to the ceiling and how do you make sense of this and how do you know what to buy? And so sometimes I think people make artificial limits. And again, I think sometimes this is done unconsciously just because it's just too much to cope with, you know, and especially when you're a mom of little kids and you're sleep deprived and you want to do right by these people, you know, and you just, and you just, it's hard to, it's hard to know. So like, it's okay to say, oh, and then, then they say, well, okay, we're just going to eliminate this whole aisle and we're just not even going to walk down this aisle you know, just because it's just too much. And I feel like that's, that's important to acknowledge, you know, that like sometimes, sometimes it really, 
the, the limits are coming from us, you know, like that, that we're, that it's just a way, like it's our own sort of way that we're trying to cope with the world. And, and I, I think just recognizing that is like the first step towards thinking like, okay, you know, maybe it is okay to add some things back in. Like, especially if you have been limiting in the past, like rather than just like with bedtimes, like don't just say, whoa, we're on schooling now. You never have to go to bed again. You know what I mean? Like it's, you know, like, I think, again, it's the sort of like, and again, this is a, a sort of a, an idea from Will Etchley, you know, which was, the, which was the weaning advice, which is don't offer, but don't refuse, you know, and I think that was sort of how more foods worked their way into our house, you know, which was, I wasn't going out and saying, hey, let's get these Twinkies. It was sort of like if the kid was with me in the store and they said, oh, I would like to try this, I wouldn't say no, you know, but I wasn't running to, you know, fill up the cabinets from floor to ceiling with, you know, with food that uh, the kids might not even want, you know, like it was more like I tried to let them, you know, let their curiosity drive. Yeah. I love that because it, it started, you know, we do have our natural, um, constraints isn't the right word, but you know, our own filters, right? Which we naturally, we just maybe don't walk down that aisle, but that's exactly it. It's not, interfering with life but if somebody discovers it and they say hey I'd like to try that and you're like huh I never even thought of that let's try it you know what I mean in anything whether it's food or or an experience you know anything like that we we can't do everything right um so there, there are kind of natural filters that we ourselves personally bring to our family, but it, it's not like we're locking them in a closet, right? <laughs> they're going to find things and find different things that they're going to want to explore. And yeah, you don't refuse. You don't need to say no. You can, oh, look, let's widen our world a little bit because because we're a family. We're going to widen it however the people in our family are interested in pursuing things, right? Yeah, I think that's such a great point. And, and like, what I've noticed with my kids is that things like, um, you know, because on the one hand, like, I had this thought about Harry that, oh, he's got this really limited palate, and he doesn't, he's kind of conservative eater, doesn't like, I try to avoid saying, calling him a picky eater, you know, and that kind of thing. But, you know, but so, but it was very much how I saw him. Yeah. But, Recently, you know, I've really had to reevaluate that because he is, you know, exploring more of the world. He's watching things on YouTube. He's watching, you know, things on Netflix. He's seeing commercials for things. Um, he recently, you know, recently Japanese anime has gotten huge in our in, with the kids, and so they are seeing all kinds of. Japanese food and they're suddenly really and that's part of where the interest in bubble tea came from and one night it was like 11 30 at night I was pretty much half asleep on the couch and Harry comes up to me and he's like mom we should try to make katsudon and I'm like what is katsudon <laughs> <laughs> well, what, thanks to google I looked it up and I found out what it was and and and, and I'm like you want to eat a fried pork chop on rice in broth and I'm thinking you don't eat any of those things. But I kept that to myself. I did not say, I, to my credit, I did not say, no way, you don't eat that stuff. And but you know, and, and so we went to the grocery store and we bought those things. And I went to the Asian grocery and I found dashi 
instant dashi powder and and you know to make the broth and what and we and there was seaweed in it and what and and Japanese wine and so we got all those things and we made it and and he ate it and he liked it and and I think part of it was because it was his idea like you know not it was not my agenda oh hey I made this thing I think you should taste it you know like and but so and I feel like that was like a sort of like we're banking positive experiences with new foods you know like and so this is the thing I was like oh my kid never tries anything new well would he try a new chocolate bar would he try a new kind of cookie some kids won't but like some, like we did a lot of building on what we know like I knew he liked pancakes you know, like that was something we were feeding them since they were toddlers. So, well, pretty much every culture has a pancake, you know, like, so we tried a tortilla, which led to quesadillas, you know, and we tried, we tried a crepe, you know, and we try, you know, and, and uh, a blintz and, uh, you know, and some things were, were, were yay and some things were nay, but, you know, it was, but he was willing to, to like build on things that he already was eating. So that was exciting too. Oh, that is really interesting. I love that. <laughs> okay, let's move on to um, a situation uh, where okay, where some people have strong principles around food, right? Some people choose to be vegetarian or vegan or or whatever food um, things you know what they found works for them. Or what, you know, they feel comfortable, their eating patterns, etc. Um, so I'd love to chat about ways that parents can live those principles without controlling their uh, child's food choices and talk a little bit about why that's important. I mean, I think that kind of has shone through this conversation. You know, it's important for them to discover their own needs, but... Sometimes it's really hard because we've done all this research and we believe this is how a person should eat. It's the way we're comfortable eating. And, and it can be really hard not to think that's the best thing for their child, too. How about Meredith? Why don't you get us started? Um, okay. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I, we talked a bit about how, you know, we know, we know kids are going to try things. And, and, um, and, um, I don't know where I'm going with that. I had notes, I had notes. Um, and, and I think it's, an, it's important to, to recognize that your kids are going to want to try things and, and kind of deal with what, whatever issues you have about trying them in such a way that you can, you can facilitate your kids' exploration, even if it doesn't mean you're doing it yourself. Okay. Like for, like I'm a vegetarian, um, and my partner's that was a vegetarian, for years and years and you know ray got to this point where where he wanted to eat meat and my partner had hadn't grown up cooking meat so i i was the one who was like okay i know how to cook meat i can do this, I can do this. but you know and so i did but but at the same time i i also found like friends and other people with with whom he could like eat meat food because he's a social guy he didn't want to just like you know have me like you know cook him something in the corner put it away be like all right here's your i'm not going to tell you what i think about it but here it is (laughs) eat it because i love you i'm leaving the room you know and but he could you know sit down because because sharing food is a social thing. It's, it's, it's a way we connect with other people. And, you know, and I know that as, as a vegetarian, it's, you know, it's important for me to have vegetarian friends so that we can eat together. And I'm not, you know, <laughs> but, you know, cause that's no fun at dinner. Um, 
And, you know, and it's, it's true, you know, anytime your kid wants to eat something that's outside your comfort zone, it's not just a matter of like, okay, how can I facilitate this so my kid can explore the world? You know, <laughs> joyful, positive social experience with food because it's so much of what food is, is this social experience. And, you know, and maybe it means, you know, finding a friend who eats it. Maybe it just means like, you know, giving the neighbor money to pay for the, all the hot dogs your kid eats. Um, I actually have a, a childhood story. My there's this kind of bread called Italian bread, which is just this like plain bakery bread, usually has sesame seeds on it. For some reason, my parents refused to buy it, you know, and, and they said the things that parents say, we don't eat that. I have no idea why. They were in a pumpernickel phase, I think. But <laughs> I, I love with this stuff at a friend's house. And I would go over to this friend's house after school and eat an entire loaf of Italian bread because I loved it so much, you know, and, and this friend, it, it, Ultimately, it kind of cost the friendship because, you know, I was the weird kid who came over and ate a loaf of bread, you know, <laughs> and, you know because my parents wouldn't buy, you know, a dollar fifty loaf of Italian bread because we don't eat that. And, you know, and, and, you know, I've been at even like, you know, unschooling conferences where it's like, oh, if this kid comes to your cabin, be aware he's going to eat all your dairy products. <laughs> Just so you know, you know, and the word goes out and, you know, and on the one hand, okay, you know, putting kids in situations where they can explore, but, you know, also be willing to help your kid explore, be willing to help the other families so that you're supporting the relationships your kid is building and, you know, and not just, just saying, okay, somebody else deal with this problem for me. So that's my thought. Yeah, that's great. That's great, Meredith. Joe? Uh, yeah, so I guess I want to go back to about having the parent having principles around food. I mean, and, and Meredith said she's a vegetarian. Uh, and also I want to go back to something Meredith said before is that our kids are not us. Yeah. And they will come to their own okay. conclusions about ethics. I mean, I was a vegetarian for 20 years. Um, I was a vegan for two years. And now I eat kangaroo, so I've changed my <laughs> But that's all me. That's all, you know, those are things that are going on in my head about animal welfare and ethics and, and uh, sustainability and, and all those kinds of things. But they're, they're, for me, they're not for everybody else. Brett eats any kind of meat. Brett pretty much eats anything. Um, except legumes. Can't eat legumes and he can't eat peanuts. So... Um, you know, and Kai over the years has eaten lots of meat. Then he kind of went off it, and now we will eat chicken and kangaroo. Um, so those are those are his things to come to. Whether he's just going to go straight back onto all meat or become a vegetarian, I don't know. But I, I just think you can't um, by forcing a child to be a vegetarian or a vegan. You're pretty much guaranteeing that they're just going to you know, go straight out to McDonald's as soon as they're 14 and they're off at the mall on their own, you know. <laughs> so, um, I just think, yeah, it's, it, and it's, <clears throat> if you don't like cooking meat, then that can be a problem. But I think, that, as Meredith said, there are ways around that as well for, to get them to experience the things that they want to experience. Um, 
I can say this now. So tonight we're taking Kai out for Korean barbecue because he's wanted to go for Korean barbecue for ages. And so we're taking it. It's a, it's a, it's a surprise. Um, he's got his earphones on now, so he can't hear me. Um, <laughs> but it was really, it was really hard because Korean barbecue is all meat, right? And it's mostly pork and beef. And Kai doesn't eat pork and beef. He only eats chicken. And so I had to call like 10 Korean barbecues going, do you have, because he, he really wants to cook it on the table. So, I, and lots of them didn't have chicken that you could cook on the table. So, I, I ended up calling like 10 places going, do you have chicken that we can cook on the table, <laughs> right? Um, so, anyway, we found one, yay. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, those, that was, it was, it was hard and, and you, there are ways around things. And they even do vegetarian, they've even got a tofu that I can do on the table. So, I'm pretty excited about that. Sylvia? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was thinking about more about people who have, um, uh, deeply held beliefs about food, like ethical beliefs, religious beliefs. I'm thinking about uh, friends I know who keep kosher, you know, or, uh, you know, so that would mean no uh, pork is out, shellfish is out, mixing milk and meat is out, a lot of different cuts of meat are out, you know, and I'm thinking, and, and it's very, it's very challenging if you've got, if, you know, if you're trying to keep kosher and unswool and your kid now wants to know what this, what all the hype about pepperoni pizza is, you know what I mean? But, the, I'm thinking, I want to think that if that was me and that was my kid, that I would, you know, maybe we wouldn't go any place locally, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where, where, you know, we're likely to run into the rabbi, but I might, you know, like, okay, well, it's possible we could be in another city and that would be a great time to, try, you know, to try um, But, you know, I, I, just, I feel like um, I don't want my kid sneaking around like I don't want my kid to feel like they have to lie or they have to sneak around like I want my kid to feel like that they can they can talk to me about this you know and because I would also think like if you're keeping kosher or you're an ethical vegan and your kid is thinking about wanting to explore something that doesn't line up with your parents views like that can cause a lot of you know that can cause a disconnect and I, and I think that's, I think the main thing with unschooling is that you want to stay nice and connected with your kid and you want to feel like you can be uh, the trusted resource, that you're, you're their friend, you're on their side, you want to help them explore the world safely, you know, so, so, uh, yeah. so I, I, you know, that's, that's where I'm going with that. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think anytime you choose over anything, you were talking about comfort zones earlier, Meredith. If you choose to draw a line in the sand over something, you know, you you just you need to understand the consequences to the relationship that, that are possible there. Because when you choose to draw the line, you're also putting them in a position where they now need to choose whether or not they're going to go behind your back, even if that's not something they would want to do. But now something's even more curious you know what I mean? Because this is something they have not been able to explore and they haven't been supported in exploring. And, you know, it's something that other people do. They see, you know, people enjoying, whether it's pepperoni pizza or, you know, whatever, bubble tea or whatever it is, you know, that <laughs> there, you know, you... Maybe that's an acceptable risk to you because, I mean, it's, it's your life and it, it's your family and you're making these choices. But it's, it's, don't think that 
like, and you mentioned before, Joe, when, when they're 14, they, they can run out to McDonald's, you know, yeah. you can't just draw that line and expect that they're going to forever just follow just because that's what you said. You know, they're a person, they're exploring, they want to find and learn and figure things out for themselves, right? So, you know, that's just, that's why I do, I love the, the idea of just figuring out ways to try and facilitate them exploring for themselves, even if it's not something we would do. And I love your point, Meredith, about how, you know, facilitate and support the other people and the relationships that they're having outside, not just, you know, here, you guys take him because he wants to try meat. <laughs> You know, I think that's such a great point. You can facilitate that and set it up and talk to the other family and, you know, slip them a few bucks for the extra food that that they pick up for them or whatever. Because you know what? Then they're going to be, instead of like, why the heck is he, you know, coming here and eating lots of that and, and acting strange? But no, they can be so much more supportive of it. It's like, oh, hey, look, I hear you wanted to try this and blah, blah, blah. So it can just be such a, a better relationship, even that exploration with somebody else when you set the foundation for it. And I just want to say it goes the other way too because uh, Lissy, I, I think she was 10 or 11 when she, and she's still a vegetarian. <laughs> so sometimes you're oh, kids. I was just going to say that. I, <laughs> I told my mom when I was 13 I wanted to be a vegetarian and my mom was like, what are you going to eat? <laughs> and she was you know, and then she said, can you still eat chicken roast on Sundays? I'm like, no. <laughs> That's the running joke here. We'd go to family dinners. <laughs> they would always say, but she eats chicken, right? <laughs> or right. fish, right? <laughs> yeah, my grandmother was, it's just ham. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just ham. It's not like it's <laughs> Okay, guys, this has been a wonderful conversation. I'm just going to go to each of you and see if there's like one more little food thing that maybe we haven't touched on that you wanted to make sure to share or, or just say pass. Sylvia, why don't you go? I don't, I don't have any like closing remarks. I kind of feel like I've said a lot already. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. I just wanted to make sure I didn't leave anybody hanging. How about I say, does anybody else have anything else they'd like to add? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was awesome. I, I I had a lot of fun for our first round table on a topic. Yay! <laughs> this was so much fun. I really, it, I really it was so fun. <laughs> Yeah. And thank you guys so much. I know we were arranging people in so many different time zones. Good morning, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I am in my pajamas, by the way. <laughs> I slept in the shirt. <laughs> I can't show you my pajamas, but I have my own pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Have a wonderful so day much. or evening or all those things. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening i hope you found it helpful you might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast while you're there be sure to check out the third book in my living joyfully with unschooling series 
Life Through the Lens of Unschooling. This book is a wide array of essays drawn from my blog that shed light on the day-to-day lives of unschooling families. You'll find essays tackling everything from learning to read to visiting relatives, all organized around nine keywords that have been woven into the fabric of our unschooling lives. Deschooling, learning, days, parenting, relationships, family, lifestyle, unconventional, and perspective. The theme is life, the lens, unschooling. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.